This is Brother Julius Adiwomi, and I'm going through the book of the Gospel of John, and I'm right now at chapter 12. And you have to remember, like I was saying in the earlier podcast, that Apostle John lived longer than the rest of the apostles, and he has, he has read what Matthew, Mark, and Luke has written about the life story of our Lord Jesus Christ before he wrote his own to put in what are missing. So now you see several of these stories here that he put in the, in this gospel. Many of them were not in the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark and Luke. Because he, he was a witness. I believe God that the Lord will give us understanding. As we go through this chapter 12, let's begin. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Now, you remember, this was after, in chapter 11, Lazarus was raised from the dead, and the disciples or the Jews were already determined that the, the leaders of the Jews have made up their mind that they were going to arrest Jesus to stop him. They were trying to stop him. Like I said in the, in the previous broadcast, what was their fear? They were afraid that if the rest of the, if the old people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they were going to make him king. And if they declare Jesus to be king, and the, the Romans, the Roman Empire will come against them trying to, to overthrow this your king. That was the fear of this, of these rulers of the Jews. And the high priest gave them something to, to hold on to in the false prophecy that said Jesus must die. To save the nation. And that's what you saw in John, John chapter 11. Now let's go to chapter 12. Because now Christ has done the greatest miracle ever reported. When he called Lazarus out of the grave. Four days in the grave. So they were really in a, When they heard that. They knew that this is beyond what they can handle. They wanted to stop Jesus. Now the Lord was already right now in, Bay, in, the, in that same area. So he, according to the story in the gospel of John. He stayed in Judea from this time till the Passover, because this is close to the Passover. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Verse Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the foot, the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now this is love manifesting. Mary was full of love for the Lord Jesus Christ, the agape love, the love of that the word of God brings. If you are a, 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 a lover of the word of God, 
and you enjoy the the the, the, the teaching of a servant of the minister of God, you so much it's a it's a cord of love that the word of God brings. And that is what you see in Mary. She may most likely have this spikenard for you no know, women perfume, wanting to keep it for special occasions. But hey, what special occasions which can be much more important that uh, she's not going to any party anymore. If you are born again and you are full of the Holy Ghost, the lifestyle of the world is no more for you. You have to remember that the lifestyle of going to a party where you are well dressed and everybody's looking at you, which always brings ungodliness in the world. When they do their party, they are looking at the, they are comparing themselves with this woman that was so nicely dressed and the, all the ungodly men are wanting this woman to see. That was the lifestyle of these women also before they found Christ. Hey, all this expensive perfume she had in the house. Hey, what do I need it for? It's like hey, I only go to the church. Also. So she decided to, to break it and you and just lavish it on the Lord Jesus Christ. That was what she did there. And you have to see in the other places or in this particular story that some of the disciples like Judas Iscariot was really mad that this woman didn't let us sell this perfume and make money. And you see what Apostle John wrote about us here. She, she said she wiped, she anointed the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. That's what the Apostle John wrote. And I tend to believe the record of Apostle John because he was the disciple that was always resting upon on Jesus' bread. Which means she was, he was closer there. He knew what happened. Why, if you go to the other story, they said, another place said he poured it on Jesus Christ's head. I said, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that to childish to pour it on, on his head. See? But that, that, to me that looked like too, too babyish. Can you, uh, an elderly man, even if, I, if my wife come and pour perfume on my head, I don't think I will be too, too excited about it. You have much more in the crowd, not just privately, in the crowd of servants of, uh, of the disciples. So if, on his feet is where people normally, if somebody comes to your house in those days, you wash their feet. Because they, are, they always trek. So people wash their feet. As an they don't come and wash their head. So washing the feet will be a proper of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then anointing the feet with something perfume will be much more elegant. And that we believe is what she did. But now, when you anoint the feet or wash the feet, what do you use? You use towel. But she was so lowly and so humble, she will use her hair. That's always flowing on. See, when we, that Africans, we are ready to say, why can you use your head? Like you put your head down like this. No, because they have long hair that can sometimes come all the way to their, to their, to their waist. How much more if they are now bent down, it's almost all the way to the floor if they are kneeling on the floor. So she used that and you can see the, the tenderness of hair is so soft. And that is why she used it to rub the feet. That will be so massaging. That's a kind of, a, and of course, she does not care whether it's dirty hair or you go to, she can watch it anyway. So, that is the love she has for the Lord Jesus Christ that made her to clean the feet with her own hair, long hair. The edges of it can easily do that for the Europeans and the people that have long flowing hair. And that is really what she did in, in that. But you see, the other tip was maybe it was on the head. Because if, if you use your hair to rub a perfume, and you stand up, they don't know. Those who didn't watch what was going on, they would think everything was, they think the hair was, is where the perfume is coming from also. 
So that's why it was the hair of Jesus that was perfumed. Or this woman said, oh, the whole place was full with that perfume. So that's why when you look at the other apostles that, that were not there, or that recorded it, they said he put it on his head, and, and the whole place was full of perfume. But apostle just said it was on the feet. And that she used her hair to, 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 straight, to spread it, so to speak, or to rub it off, so to speak. Or what they call, her hair was used to wipe it off, is what Apostle John wrote in verse 3. Verse 4, then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, we should betray him. So the logical already pointed that Judas Iscariot, that he was a devil, a devil, not just possessed by a devil, because if you're possessed by a devil, Jesus Christ would have cast the devil out. But he was a devil that because God does not does not uh, try to control your spirit, this, 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 the, the will of man. You, you have your own will. Even a believer, you have your will. So God is not going to infringe on your will. So if somebody is a devil, that is his mindset, his desire, and his evil thoughts, and it's just what he wanted to do, God will let you do it. Let him put the word before you. You choose. You choose whom you're going to follow. Follow the word of God, and you're going to follow your own will. Jesus Christ already see that, saw that uh, Judas is called, he is a devil, is what they call it. He said, This one of you is a devil. Not one of you is possessed by a devil because he could have cast the devil out. But the one that is not possessed by the devil, he said, The devil himself cannot be delivered. You need to repent. The fellow needs to repent. All these all Jews that were coming at Jesus Christ and calling him, You have a devil, you have a devil, you are this. They were not possessed by demons. They, that is, they, are, they are made up their mind that Jesus Christ is not the one for them. So Christ couldn't cast any devil out of them. It's not the devil that is speaking through them. They are the ones speaking. So that's why you have to know the difference between people that are possessed by devils that can be delivered or those that are devils themselves. That is, they are, they are thinking their opinion is evil. They don't like what they are seeing and they are going to be against it. And that is the will. Their, your will cannot be, God will not force your will. That's why he gave Adam. The first Adam gave him, he let him with his free will to choose to obey or to choose to disobey. Same with everyone of us. When we surrender our life to Christ, it is our choice to follow him willingly and help, ask him to help us so that we can continue to follow him willingly. So that is why, why Judas Iscariot was a a willing devil. He wanted the money. He wanted the something. The Bible says he was a thief and not repenting. Look at what he said in verse 4. And verse 5. Why was, he said, Judas said, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Verse 6 said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. I didn't write this. He said, John wrote this. John, one of the apostles wrote this. So they only knew this man. Even though he was following them, he was only the one that said, I will, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will carry the bag. He let him carry the bag because he, he had a plan. He wanted to be stealing the money from the bag. You know, when they say, oh, who's going to be treasure? I say, I will, I will, I will, I will. grab the bag and he was carrying it. And the Bible said they were they already aware that he was stealing from the bag. Look at this. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. So they already knew what he was doing. He thought he was doing secretly, but they already knew. Jesus Christ already knew, but Jesus Christ just ignored it. Ignored it. Well, if there's enough money to do whatever you need to do, whatever he's stealing, forget about it. Because God, the Lord already knew why he was selected. He was selected for a purpose to do the dirty job that will be happening. Because somebody among the 12, Inasaku, which is the 12, 
has to be the one to, to betray him. It was part of the plan of God to get some one of his inner circle to betray him so that they can you can the sacrifice can be done for mankind. Like I said in the last chapter, that if they do not crucify the Messiah, then we will not be saved. He has to be crucified so that we, human race, the Gentile world, everybody will be saved by the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. And how will they do that unless they hated him so much? Not so. And I give a comparison of that with the story of Joseph in Egypt. His brothers had to hate him so much to sell him out of out of their father's house because of the dreams he said he was going to be ruling over them. And they, it was real hatred that the devil put upon them to hate him so much. That, but see, it was God used say, all things work together for good to them that love God. So God will work it out for his own purpose. So God allowed those brothers, big brothers of Joseph in Egypt, of the son of Jacob, to sell him into slavery, which we know is bad. And uh, he went to jail because another woman framed him, which also we know is bad. But all of those things, God worked them out to fulfill God's purpose. The purpose of God was to bring Joseph to become the Prime Minister so that he can save the whole world. And the same way is the plan of God here. But remember, that does not mean that those boys were not guilty. That sold Joseph, they were guilty. That does not mean that that woman was not guilty for sending her, sending Joseph to prison. He was guilty. You see? He sold that sin and shall die. So the, all these all this Sanhedrin, the Pharisees that were crucifying Jesus Christ, I say crucify him, they were all guilty. But God can forgive them if they repent, of course. If they do not repent, they die in their sin, they go to hell. So they were guilty. Not that they were not guilty, even though you say, well, God is the one that make them work this thing out so that God was working it out after the, you say, God will make God to work out to his own glory. Does not mean the Lord God is the one that sent them to do it. The devil is the one that will make them do it. But God will allow it. That's what we are saying. Because God does not do evil. That he allow it's like a chess game. You watch in the chess game, you see the enemy move, okay, all right, you watch, okay. I'm going to use that enemy's move or the opponent's move and make and still win the game. That is the game of chess. The same in checkers. You watch and your opponent suddenly move, bam, 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 okay, I see. You say, all right, so now you make one move and you win, crown your king. That is how the games of life is also. Play it out. So God will, you see, God will say all things will work together for good to we, to them that love God. So God will work it out. Even those evil things, God will work it out to become good. Yeah. That is why He said we should forgive. Because even if the person that is doing evil to you, probably wanted to make get you fired from job or this and he was, you already doing that evil, not that you didn't do the evil, but God will work that for your own good. But if you forgive that fellow, then you have make you are, you are letting God work it out for you. That's really how I put it, because it is God's plan to make all things work out for our good. Now let's go ahead and see verse six of John chapter twelve that we are reading. They say that Judas Iscariot was always he carried the bar and he bear whatever was put there. But Jesus Christ responded to the accusation and he said, "Why was this morning? Why was this ointment not sold?" For 300 pence, you already know how much it is worth. And let's give it to the poor. <laughs> and he said, 
Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was, he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put there. Verse 7. Then said Jesus, Leave her alone. Against the day of my bearing as she kept this. For this the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Now, that was what Apostle John reported, but when you go to the same story in Matthew, let's go and look at this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 11, and see what Matthew wrote about this uh, episode. The one this government said, Jesus Christ said a little bit much more than that. He said, this woman will be remembered for what, he, what she has done. Yeah, that's Matthew chapter 26. This is what Matthew wrote now about this episode when the woman, and Matthew didn't mention the name of the woman that poured the oil. Matthew chapter 26 verse 6. Let me read that. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, Matthew says it's also Bethany, but Matthew mentioned the name of the place in the house of Simon the leper. So Matthew said it was in the house of Simon the leper. Well, John didn't say whose house it was, he just said it was, it was a dinner. So you can say, was it in Martha's house? Mary and Martha's house? Or is it some Simon the leper? But Matthew said it was in the house of Simon the leper, this dinner was taking place, which is possible. Because Bethany, you have to remember, Bethany is a small village, not really a big city, a small village where Martha and Mary and Martha live there. Simon the leper also live in the same place, so they will know one another. And if they were all disciples, and Simon is going to call for the master to, to stay in, in his house and call for a, uh, make a dinner, of course, Mary and Martha can come and serve because they are like believers. No, not so. And it's a small place, not like it's a big, huge city. So that's why you he say, he say um, John simply said, Martha served. It didn't, mean, it didn't mean that it was in the house of Martha. Okay, Simon. Uh, Someone leper is where Matthew said this, this thing took place in verse 6. Verse 7 said, There came unto him a woman having an ambassador box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head. That is why I said, Matthew was saying, The woman poured it on his head. I will take the, the testimony of uh, Apostle John, who was always close to Jesus Christ, that it was on the feet. But my, my, Matthew said it was on his head, poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, To what purpose is this waste? He, he didn't even mention which disciple said, he said, or his disciples said that. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. So you wonder whether this Matthew is actually the Matthew, the, the apostle, or this is just another Matthew among the brethren that was writing this report. But everybody believes it's Matthew the apostle. But he, the way he wrote this section, he didn't seem to mention who was the woman that poured it on, on, the, on the head. Because there are two cases where the Lord Jesus Christ was anointed like that. There was a, another, another story where a woman that was said to be a sinner was weeping at the feet of Jesus Christ and the tears was falling upon Jesus Christ. The woman fell down at the feet of Jesus Christ and used the tears to just wash his feet and use her hair to wash it, to clean it off. You see? And that was in the, in the house of another one called Simon. Whether it was this same Simon the leper or just another Simon that was called a Pharisee. And Jesus Christ mentioned, the Pharisee was saying, if this man is a prophet indeed, he would have known this woman was a sinner that is touching him. 
He just got, his, got, got that and said, Simon, I will ask you a question. And he gave a pile that a man has the two debtors, one owing 50, one owing 500, or one 5,000. I forgave them both and said, which one will love him more? He said, the one that you think, forgive the one. Yes, he said, this woman was a sinner, very much sin. And you, I came to your house, you don't even wash my, you don't kiss me, this man has been kissing my feet. You didn't even wash my feet, this man washed my feet with tears and cleans out with her hair. So her sins that are much, she loves so much. So her sins that are plenty, it's forgiven. You that love so little because your sin was little and you're also forgiven. So that was the story, but that was another an, case. It doesn't look like it's the same story of this one, which is the, this is the last days. That one was sometime during the first two years that was happening. Look, that was even in Capernaum. So this one is in, in the house of Simon Leper in Bethany. They, they know this one. That must be the second time somebody was washing Jesus Christ and, and cleaning it with her hair. Doesn't look like the same person. Okay. So now you see here that uh, Matthew was saying, just a disciple. Oh no, he said some of the disciples just said this. For this homage might have been so for much and given to the poor. But still said, Jesus understood and said, why trouble ye the woman? For she has wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. Now, what I'm trying to refer to is to see that Jesus Christ said more than that in this, according to this report of Matthew. But still said, for in that she has poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my barrier. That will have a strength. For they were surprised to hear that the, he knew he was going to be crucified, but the apostles and disciples were still, they had that, they felt that that could work out, but they, they are resisting it, you know, like you say, no, no way. You know, sometimes people try to reject whatever you don't like. Verse 30 says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman has done be told for a memorial of her. Now that is what I was trying to refer to that, according to Matthew, Jesus Christ mentioned that it will be reported that this woman, by foresight, came to anoint Jesus Christ's body for burial. That's what Jesus Christ said. She has anointed my body for burial because she knew Jesus Christ knew he was going to be buried for three days, and they have no time to to come and do any anointing and so on. And she, said she has come ahead to anoint my body. The woman may did not know what she was doing, but Christ was saying that was the purpose of that. Sometimes we do something, we don't know why the Spirit moved us to do it, but he said that was the purpose for that. And it was the same way when Jesus Christ was riding, riding on the donkey, which we see in the next few chapters of John, towards Jerusalem, and they were hailing him, Hosanna unto the son of David. They didn't know why they were doing that. They just thought they were happy, excited, but you see, it was prophesied many hundreds of years before that that will happen to the Messiah. And they will be saying, blessed is it that coming in the name of the Lord. And so when that happened, after it was all done and done, they now remember the Bible has already prophesied it. So that is really what we are trying to point out here. Now let's continue. Go back to Mark, to Gospel of John chapter 12. And that was what Apostle John wrote that Jesus Christ simply said, Let her alone against the day of my bearing as she kept this. For the poor always she have with you, but me ye have not always. Verse 9. Most people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. I mean, the 
crowd was coming in, coming around, coming by to see Lazarus. They have heard the story that Jesus Christ called this man from the dead or this in the grave. So they were all coming back and forth to come and see it with their own eyes. I mean, people from different parts of Judea. Even those that didn't want to believe before, they were now going out believing that this must be the Messiah. But that made the, the Pharisees and the rulers and the chief priests mad and got madder and madder. That these people are going to believe. And this, look at what they now say, verse 10. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. What are murderers? Look at that. They were, they were planning to say, we can't let him Lazarus be giving his testimony. We need to kill this Lazarus too. After the, they want to kill Jesus and kill Lazarus also. You, see, you can see these are satanic spirits. These are murderers indeed. If they are having that plan, that's what the Bible says. Apostle John wrote it, the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Somebody that died and Jesus Christ called him back from the grave, they said, well, we have to kill him back. <laughs> we have to kill him. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You think people will be happy that somebody that is dead and we... I, it reminded me of a vision I saw. Let me give you this vision. Sometimes we think everybody will be excited when the dead is raised from the dead. Don't think everybody will be excited. Many times when people go to funeral, when people go to funeral, and here is the cops lying down in the front of the church, and people sitting down, they look at their mourning and they are weeping, and the wife is there and the children are there. If you want to go and call that dead out of the coffin, ask the wife whether she really wanted the man to live. Ask the children whether they really wanted the man to live. Or vice versa. If it is the woman that was in the coffin, ask the husband whether he really wanted this woman to be called back to life. I was in a vision. This is a vision, so it's not really physically up. And the Lord brought me to this place where I saw they were burying a dead person. And some men, elderly men were there, almost like they were sorrowful also. And I commanded the dead person to come back to life. And you know, they attacked me in that vision. I mean, the men that were watching this thing, they came against me for calling the boy back to life. And I woke up, I said, what? <laughs> what is this? That is what we are seeing. He eh? said the chief prince wanted to kill uh, Lazarus because of uh, they didn't want him to give his testimony. They want if they kill Jesus, they want to kill Lazarus so that nobody will, will believe this story. So that is why I say sometimes you think you when you call the dead back to life, are you sure the relatives of this dead person really want the dead person to live? You may be shedding crocodile tears, crocodile tears, crocodile tears. And let's call the dead back to life. They will realize that yeah, they don't even want. They are already thinking about how they are dividing the spoil, what the man has left behind, or the woman has left behind, who is going to take the, the house, who is going to take the property. They are already thinking of that, they, what they are going to inherit. Now you call them back to life, <laughs> they may not be happy. So some, sometimes that's sometimes what the situation in the world. They are telling you something that looks like a, the situation of the, of the wicked world. And this is what you see right here. The chief priest wanted to kill Lazarus also, because because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Because of Lazarus resurrected from the dead, many of the Jews were believing on Jesus. So that made the chief priest say, we need to kill Lazarus again. Need to kill Lazarus. That's why I brought that story of people who are not really, you don't think they, were, they will be happy exactly if you call the dead, they are dead back to life. Not every one of them will be happy. Some of them are already thinking of what they are going to gain by the fellow being dead. Verse 11. 
Now verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now that was what I was referring to, that that has been prophesied before. You see what Apostle John wrote here, that this is to fulfill the prophecies that have been said. He said that, verse 15, is the, the prophecies in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9. But for this, and Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass colt. Which is, you see that in Zechariah, the book of prophecy of Zechariah. So your king is telling Jerusalem that your king is coming, sitting on, sitting on a ass colt. And what is an ass colt? That's the baby of a house. That's why when you, in the other chapter, in the book of Matthew or Luke, Jesus Christ sent them, sent two of his disciples to go and bring a ass. And he said, it, they said it was a, never a man sat on this ass before. It was a little baby that had just grown up, but is strong enough to carry a woman being riding or sitting on the, on the back. So that was the one they brought. And in another place, they actually said they, they found the ass and the baby. And they brought both of them. But according to the story, it was the baby ass that Jesus Christ sat on. I don't know, maybe the mother ass was let go or just leading the baby ass. So somehow the story said it was the baby ass that Jesus Christ sat on. And that's why the prophecy said, in verse 15, said, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass colt, that is the baby of the ass. Verse 16. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remember they that these things were written of him. And that they had done those these things unto him. That is, their disciples and the apostles didn't know why they were doing this thing. They were just excited. But it was fulfilling prophecy. Many things that the Lord allowed are because He has prophesied that we be like this. And when the people are doing, they may not even know what they were doing. Just like the the, uh, the, the chief priests that were being crucified, they didn't know what they were doing, but they were fulfilling prophecy. So those who are fulfilling evil prophecy which made them guilty, they are still guilty. Even though it was fulfilling a promise of some matter, they are still guilty. Those who are fulfilling the good promises, ailing him, a king of the, the king that is coming, they are also fulfilling prophecy. And they are being blessed because they are praising the king of kings. Verse 17. The people therefore that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of, the, of his grief and raised him from the dead, they bear record. Verse 18. For this cause, the people also met him for that they heard that he had done this miracle. So the miracle of raising up Lazarus was the climax. And it was close to the Passover. The last Passover where Christ was going to be crucified. You will have said, wow, if that miracle happened, either they should change their mind and say, we, couldn't, we shouldn't kill this man. This is what we need, this someone that used to be raising the dead for us. Also. The woman, like I said, the story did not show me a vision. That I went there and called, in that vision, I called somebody back to life that they were putting in the grave. And the man jumped up and, and sat up. The people that were putting him in the grave got mad at me and tried to attack me. And I woke up in that vision. So, which means, don't think they will clap for you just because you raised the dead. Don't think they will clap for you just because you make the dead come back to life. That's why I said in that, in that 
when you want to raise the day that was being, that they are trying to do a funeral, you want to raise that dead person. Are you sure the family members of that dead person, they are really interested in for you to raise him up or how? You don't know. So many things, those are things that are, that the evil world has, has, has showed to us that they, they, were, they will not be well pleased when you, perhaps you think the raising the dead is going to make them happy. It's not all of them that will be happy. So you remember that. Eight, verse 18. Verse 19. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, as if ye, how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. I mean, they were mad that the old crowd was now hating Jesus Christ and, for, and, 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 and believing in him. Verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The, the same came therefore to Philip. These are Gentiles. The Greeks are Gentiles. They have been proselytes that have been converted to Judaism. And they were just visitors coming for the feast and they heard this story that there's another rabbi in town that is doing wonders, signs and wonders. He just raised his day. All this in the grave. They wanted to see this rabbi because they have been worshiping Jehovah and the stories we have read that Jehovah has prophets, great signs and wonders. And if you believe those things and they say another prophet is arisen that is doing great things, you would like to know that prophet also. Like you heard about the story of Elijah the prophet, how Elijah called somebody to say somebody to go and dip in the, in the river Jordan and he was healed. Jehovah was doing great wonders in the days of the prophet. And then in your own generation, here's another man, they say he's a prophet and he has done great things like this. And you are a Gentile that just joined their religion. You say, I would like to know this man. I would like to meet him myself too. That was what happened. This Greece. He went to meet Jesus. That was the desire of their heart. So that this thing is not done, it's not like something that we heard about thousands of years ago. This is in our generation. Wow. I would like to be part of it. That's really what it is. I would like to be part of this. That's why they wanted to see Jesus. So these Greeks, they came to Philip. You see, one of these disciples say, The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we will see Jesus. I'd like to see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that verse 22. Andrew was a special, a special disciple that people perhaps never really think about him much. But, he's, but he, he was a special disciple that has a special talent. Remember, Andrew was the one that was follow, part of the two people that were following John the Baptist. In the beginning, and when he when John the Baptist pointed Jesus Christ and said, That is his lamp of God, they left John the Baptist and run after Jesus. And after Jesus Christ he, he, he welcomed them, he went and called his brother and said, We have found the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. And he brought Simon, Simon Peter to Jesus. Now Andrew became such a organizer, he organized things. He was one that knew almost like people gravitate to him when they wanted to do something. Andrew, I have bread here. And okay. So he is like a was somebody that has organization skill. He was one that told Jesus Christ that there's a lad here that has five loaves of bread. How did he know? That young lad must have come to Andrew. Or somebody he showed somebody and somebody showed to Andrew. Andrew was like the organizer around the Lord Jesus Christ. All the others for us to do some other things. Andrew I just just like that of organizational skill God has given to him. So Philip knew about that, so they came to Philip. Maybe Philip was closer to the ex, you know, outside of the crowd. 
and they said, sir, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip did what? He didn't go straight to Jesus. He went to Andrew. This Greeks want to see Jesus. Andrew, like the organizers, well, let's go to Jesus. So Andrew and Philip came to Jesus to tell him. So verse 22, Philip comments and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Verse 23, and Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come. Jesus Christ knew that that was a sign that the Gentiles now are seeking him. Because the Bible says unto him shall the Gentiles seek. That was a prophecy that says this is the king of Israel that the Gentiles will seek. Not King David, not Moses, not any of the other kings. But the Gentiles, not just one Gentile, the Gentiles. And you can look at history right now and see that the whole Gentile world, that is non-Jewish countries, that are believing the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah, we are all looking unto Jesus, the author and the preacher of our faith. That is what the prophecy said. Unto him the Gentiles shall seek. And that's the Jesus Christ, the only king, the only savior, the only, the only prophet in history. From the time of Abraham till now, the only prophet that the old Gentiles are looking up to are seeking is Jesus. So if you are a Jew and you don't believe in Jesus, I think you are making a mistake. Don't just think, I tell you, you are making a mistake. Serious mistake that can send you to hell. Because the only person, the only prophet in the whole history of Israel that the Gentiles are seeking is Jesus. Not Moses. The Gentiles are seeking Moses. It's the Jews that are thinking Moses is their prophet, but it's Jesus is the only one that the whole Gentile world was seeking. So that is what the prophecy said unto him the Gentiles shall seek. So Jesus Christ saw that signal. He said, The hour is to begin to receive the Messiah. That's what he made in verse 23. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified because he has to go to the cross and come out before the Gentiles begin to come to him. Verse 324. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if he die, he bringeth forth much fruit. Now he's just giving them some parable that he has to die before he can begin to go forth and minister to the whole world. That's what it means. He's going to bring forth much fruit after he die and resurrect. But he was telling them in this parable, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if he die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now he's talking to the supposed disciples. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Verse 26 says, If any man serve me, he's talking to the apostles and these disciples because he said, Philip and uh, Andrew came and told him about these groups I want to see. So he's not talking about the groups, he's now talking to you. He's, his time is here. Tell him that his time is here right now. Not that he's going to take over the Roman Empire because they will have been in their mind. Are we going to take over the Roman Empire now? Drive them out? No. He's talking of something that his time is here. He's going to the cross, going to come back, and the kingdom of God, the church, is going to start. But when the church starts, we are all these apostles are going to stand. That's why he say, if you lose your, if you if you are fear for your life, because it's like a warfare that is going to be turned over to the apostles. Let me just tell you what he, what it means. It's a warfare. The kingdom of God coming down. Jesus Christ is the king of that kingdom. He came down to attack the kingdom of darkness, Satan and his cause that are on this planet Earth. And the king has come down. He says, time is going to go and meet them in their headquarters, hell. And overthrew them. And then when he comes back, he's going to let his disciples keep doing the fight. It's like a fight. He said, We are not, it's like a, is it a fight? Yeah, we are is it, is the believers, the apostles are going to be preaching about, and the enemy is not going to be happy. And that's why there was persecution against them. That's why many of them were killed in Rome. 
But he's saying, he that, he that is, know that this is a warfare. He that, he that serves me, let him follow me, is what he said. Verse 25, he that loves his life shall lose it. So he's telling them up front. His disciples, talking, he's addressing his disciples now. He that loved his life shall lose it. And he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So you know, he's talking to we, his disciples also. He said, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Said, That's why I come. To go and overthrow Satan. That was what Jesus was meant. What he meant. He was, he was to go and overthrow Satan in, his, in, the, in, the, in hell. In that kingdom of darkness where they are gone. And that was what he did for the three days. He said he led captivity captive. And gave this as well when he came back alive. And then sent his apostles out. And the, the, the work continued because the apostles now are preaching about and doing the work of the Lord, and now the devil has to be using persecution to resist them. Also, use persecution from the from the Jews, from the Sahindrans, from all the chief priests, and they persecuted them. They sometimes arrested them and put them in jail, and the angel of God opened them up, just like a warfare. They arrested all the 12 of them at one point in the book of Acts of the Apostles, and they put them in jail, and overnight the angel of God opened the door for them and said, go back into the temple, keep preaching. I said, it's like a fight, you know, so keep preaching. And he didn't say run away, he said, keep preaching. And at a point, after many years, they were arrested in, in uh, different places. Apostle uh, Paul was going about, they arrested him also. So all of this is like, it's a warfare, brother. It's a warfare, sister. But be ready to stand, because the kingdom we are talking about, we have won. Not that we, we can, we, we have won. Jesus Christ already defeated the devil. And he has won the battle. And he's telling us to go forth and continue to to proclaim the word of God. The enemy may be firing arrows, but we are not hurt because nothing shall by any means hurt us. The, when they come with physical well, physical persecution, God allows sometimes that. God allows persecution sometimes that. But when the arrows of the devil is firing from the spiritual world, we are not hurt. Something that could have brings anybody down instantly, we are not hurt. Why? We are, we are covered by the anointing of God. God himself is our shield. That's why we are not hurt by all those spiritual arrows. But God allowed the physical men that are sealing their own doom to persecute Christians. He said that that's what he meant by he that loses his life, he that loves his life shall lose it. Because it's going to be physical, physical persecution. And that's coming again at the end of the world. It happened then, and it's going to happen at the end of the world. I'm going to continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you.